All right. Hey, thank you. And good morning, New Hope, both watching online, but also in person this morning. I'm Ryan, the lead pastor. And uh, if you would, please grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Song of Solomon. We're in chapter five this morning, uh, whether you use your, your phone for your Bible or you brought a paper version. And uh, we truly are, during these types of weeks here in this summertime, this is vacation season right now, and, and we truly are one campus this morning worshiping in multiple locations, so wherever you may be uh, this morning, again, watching online, glad that you are with us this morning, and of course also here at New Hope. And as you're turning there, I want to mention a couple of things in addition to what was shared. Uh, first, in your bulletin, and I would encourage you to read uh, the bulletin each Sunday and, and learn the happenings of what's going on. In the church, even if it's just a quick glance. But we do have a change uh, on uh, one of them, and that's for the Young at Heart ministry. There's a cookout happening on Tuesday, and the location has changed. It's no longer at Big Blue, but it's now going to be moved to the Zietlow's home, Paul and Carolyn. So if that's your area of ministry and that uh, connects to you and your planning, uh, please make note of that, and we'll also send you another note about that as well. And then also, uh, we haven't mentioned this in a while, but on the table there that uh, Hannah was talking about, where the connection card can go. We have uh, these cards, and several months ago we introduced them to you, and then, and then life happens and we sort of forget. But I want to remind us of these. These are invitation cards. They're obviously business card size, easy to put in your wallet, throw in a purse, but uh, a great way that as you're going about your day, as you have interaction with people, um, and maybe people express interest of, I'm looking for a church, I don't have a church, it'd be interesting to check out your church, that kind of a thing. It's a way that you can quickly hand them something to, uh, to invite them uh, to come to New Hope. And what I appreciate about the card, it's not a, here's a card and then you sort of run away and, you, and then they are left to kind of figure out. But the way it's designed is on the back, you, uh, you put your contact information if they don't already have it, like your phone number, but then you tell them which service you're, you typically go to. And you would say something like, hey, I go to the 9 o'clock service, why don't we meet? And let's, let's, let's go to church together. Because the thing is, people, the first time you step foot into a church, it's a little nerve-wracking. You don't really know anybody, you don't know what happens, you don't know the rules of that church. And so to meet somebody there and to, to go to church together is just a wonderful gift that you can provide them as they, well, check out, in this case, New Hope, New Hope Church. So there's a, a bunch of them on the table there and encourage you, if you don't have some, you can grab a, grab a, a few handful, throw them in, in your purse or wallet and have them with you in case the opportunity uh, comes. Okay, hopefully you've uh, thumbed your way through and found Song of Solomon, again, chapter 5. And as a review, we're now moving to the second half of this sermon series called Love Song. And we're talking about uh, King Solomon, David's son, and his, his uh, love relationship with this uh, woman that he meets. And the song is his greatest hit song, and it walks us through all the different seasons of their relationship. We've looked at their getting to know each other season, their being engaged season. We looked at their, their, their wedding day and honeymoon. And, and what we're doing is we're going through these different seasons to, to get God's perspective on some important topics uh, sexual purity, for example, marriage and relationships, and how do, we, how do we do this relating with each other kind of a thing? We want to get God's perspective so that we can live 
his perspective. We want to have in this uh, a church, what we've been praying for is, is, is to have healthy marriages and to have relationships maybe leading up into marriage that honor God. Uh, that's really, it's being countercultural. It's doing things different than how we see everybody else doing them because we want to honor God and do things his way. So I hope it's been an encouragement to you and uh, a challenge for you. Now before we get into our passage this morning, one of the things that is interesting is that we know a lot about Solomon. Uh, we know he was king, for example, and we know he, uh, he was obviously wealthy and he wrote some different books and, and, um, and he had, God gave him wisdom. And so we have a good picture of Solomon, but we don't really have a good picture of this, this woman. We don't know much about her. In fact, the main thing that we know, and pretty much the only thing that we know, is, is a description, if you will, of, of this woman based on Solomon's um, descriptions of her. I mean, remember, he's constantly praising uh, this woman that he loves and describing her uh, physically. And so we, I want to provide for you an artistic rendition of what we think this woman might have looked like based on Solomon's descriptions. So here's what we got here. Actually, probably not. That's terrible, isn't it? But it's all of his descriptions of her. <laughs> but obviously it highlights that this is poetry. He's using figure of speech and comparing different features and whatnot. I want to thank Kathleen Hine for sharing that with me. I had no idea that existed, but she shared that with me. So that was fantastic. All right, so review-wise, remember, last week now, we saw that they, they got married, and we saw they went on the honeymoon. This was the steamy chapter of chapter four, and, and all that that entails. We talked about sex last week, so if you missed that one, you may want to go back and check that out. Today's passage, when we transition, the honeymoon is over, and our couple is going to have, at least according to the song, they're going to have their first fight. So, if you have your Bibles open, let's get ready to rumble and see how it plays out here. Now look, as, as true as death and taxes, this is a true statement. All couples fight. Shocker, right? You don't even have to write that one down. It's not even a fill in the blank. All couples hit points of disagreement where they have to work out their differences, this is something that, that all couples face. Now, now some couples, they argue um, to, to reconcile. Others argue to, to win. Uh, some fight clean and some fight dirty. But regardless, all couples face these situations that are uh, intense and have to work through. And that's our topic for today. Today we're talking about conflict resolution. Now, if you're married here this morning, here on campus or watching online, this is, this is very much for you if you're married because you can take these principles and apply them right to your life, whether you're having a conflict today or well, you probably will in the future. And so you can apply these principles. But I want to mention, too, that if you're not in that stage, if you're not married, that's okay because the principles are still the principles. And the principles you can use in any relationship that you have. So this is really for every single one of us as uh, we all in our relationships hit these moments. So let's begin uh, chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 2. Now here in this passage, Solomon's wife, she is in bed. And um, it was late at night. And she, she uh, is tossing and turning. It's maybe, maybe even early in the morning. But she's having a hard time sleeping. Here's what she says. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. 
In other words, she's restless, she's stirring. You've had nights like this. You sort of drift to sleep, but then you're awake, and then you're pacing and, and all of that. And she says, listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. Now let's pause here real quick. So, so what's going on is that, is that the, 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 his bride, his wife, she is uh, in bed and she's restless because Solomon has been out late. We don't know why. Maybe she doesn't know why, but he's not home. And so finally frustrated, she goes to bed uh, without him. But then he shows up and knocks on the door. He wants to be let in. Um, he wants, specifically, he wants to be let in because he wants to be intimate with her. Now, then she says in verse 3, in her frustration, she replies back. She says to him, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Now, basically, this is Hebrew poetry back to him of saying, look, I have a headache. That's what she's saying to him. She's frustrated. Now he's frustrated. And now you have a conflict. These two people, they, they have a conflict. Uh, she won't open the door to him. And so uh, look what happens next. Let's keep going in verse 4. She says, my lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. So now he's trying to get in. He's, he's trying to open the door from the outside. And my heart began to pound for him. She's beginning to change her mind. She says, I arose to open for my lover, and my hands uh, dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He was gone. In other words, it was a little too little too late. She changed her mind. She, she then gets up, and she goes to the door to then let him in, but he left. But he left a gift on the door handle, this myrrh, and so she has that on her hand. And then she says something very sad. She says, my heart sank at his departure. Again, now we have a conflict uh, between the husband and the wife. And again, we all know what that is like uh, for all of us. Now what's really interesting is studies show, and I want to share with you one in particular, that how a couple works through their differences is significantly important. For example, I want to share with you just the covers here of this book right here by Dr. John Gottman called Why Marriages Succeed or Fail. Dr. Gottman is a psychologist and he's, he's well known, and this is a good book by the way, but he's well known for being able to sit down with a couple and have some time with them and, and, and ask some different questions and he can predict with a 94% accuracy rate if that couple is going to make it or not. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, that's really high percentage. And so the question, of course, is for Dr. Gottman, like, well, how do you do that? Like, how do you assess what are you looking for? And he said, well, I'm looking for one thing. And the thing that he's looking for is how a couple fights. How they work through their differences tells a lot about the health of a marriage and if this couple is going to be able to make it through uh, for the long haul. And he points out, he says, look, couples argue in different ways. It's not like there's a right way to do it, but there is a destructive way to do it. There is a way to tear each other down that is damaging. And when couples do that, it's going to be a rough road. 
And that's why something like this topic is so important for all of us to look at. And I don't know about you, but I'm convinced that it's important to recognize, a couple needs to recognize where are the places where we tend to keep fighting? Where are the places that we tend to struggle? What are the topics? Is it money? Is it, um, is it around communication? Is it about responsibilities at home? I mean, is it something with the kids? Like, what is it that keeps being these areas that we argue about? Identify them and begin to talk through those. And on that topic, I want to suggest to you, I think, I think there's really two main areas that just couples continue to sort of fall into the same pit over and over again. And I want to call them out this morning because this may apply to you and some things I think are worth talking about for a few minutes this morning. If you have your bulletin, there are some fill in the blanks. And here's the first one. This is, this is one of what I think is a major cause of conflict in marriage. And that is unmet, or frankly, unspoken expectations. Every person, each person, husband, wife, in a marriage brings into that marriage expectations. If you've been married longer than five minutes, you know this. This is, this is what happens. This is sort of what we do when we get married. Now back to Solomon and his wife. This is what's going on there. She expected him to be home much earlier, frustrated with him, where have you been? And then he expected some snuggling. And neither got what they wanted, and both are frustrated because of unmet expectations. And this happens in, in our relationships today as well. This is something that we too have to realize plays a role. Now, I've shared this before, but I want to mention again what I think is a very helpful sort of rule of thumb that you can hang on to as a couple and apply to your relationship. It's your next fill in the blank. Here it is. Is that expectations minus reality equals frustration. And here's what I mean by that. If you have a certain expectation about something, um, I expect her to be uh, more engaged. I expect him to be a better leader. I expect her to have the house clean. I expect him to be a better listener, more sympathetic. Whatever it is, we have these expectations we bring in. Where you mark your expectation versus what is reality, the degree of gap between the two is the amount of frustration you're going to experience. So what's important is to try to match your expectations with reality and communicate those. See, the things that you sort of expect, whether you realize them or not, but if you do realize them, you need to communicate that to the other person because they don't magically just know what that is. But sometimes we don't. And so, so we have these expectations, and when that other person fails to meet that expectation, we get frustrated, and we have conflict. This is a big source of, of what happens in marriages quite a bit. Again, maybe you can relate to that, and maybe one action step from this morning is that we're going to take some time and talk about our expectations. We've never done that before in some different categories of life. Let's just have a conversation about that. So that's one area. Let me share with you another area, our second that I'm going to mention. There's more than two, but these are just two that I think are big. And it's this one. A big cause of conflict is selfishness. Now, we can all relate to this. 
Every single one of us. We, we all know exactly what this is. And if we're honest, we can all think about a time when our selfishness led to conflict. We know what selfishness is. It's me first and me most. It's, it's all about me. And, and we see places and we know that this can then have conflict in the relationships with, with people that we, we love. Our selfishness can hurt the people that we love, even if we don't intend it. But again, this is something we can all relate uh, to. Now, I'm just going to get really blunt for a minute because I think this is pretty big. I want to challenge all of us, and I'm including myself in this. But here's your next fill in the blank, and please just read this carefully and slowly. See, we, we oftentimes, we don't love our spouse well because we're too busy loving ourselves. And this is all of us. We, we don't love our spouse well because, frankly, we're just too busy loving ourselves really well. And this is something that impacts, obviously, our marriage. If, if we're honest, and if this doesn't relate to you, then good. But if we're honest, and I think, I think though this does for most of us, what we really want is for our spouse to love us as much as we love ourselves. And if our spouse will do that, then we're going to get along great. What we really want is for our kids to love us as much as we love ourselves. And if they'll fall in line and do that, then we'll get along great. But that doesn't always happen, of course. We set this standard for loving ourselves so high. See, when we love ourselves, what happens is, is we tend to view our family, our husband or wife, or kids, or whatever applies, when we love ourselves most, we tend to view our family as either one of two things. Either a vehicle to deliver what we want for ourselves, all the things that are important to us. Either they're a, a vehicle to follow through and deliver that into our lives, or they're an obstacle in the way of what we want. And I just think if you sort of do a Rolodex back in your memory of your life, you'll remember and you'll think of ways where, yeah, I think I have treated my family that way. I have treated my spouse that way, whether I realize it or not. Now, if you're hearing this this morning and you're like, I don't know, let me prove to you I'm right. I'm going to prove to you I'm right. Here's how. Every single day, you and I, when we wake up, we have a decision to make. Every single day, you can choose to serve inside your own kingdom. I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Or to serve inside the kingdom of God. Every single day, you have a decision to make. I, could, I can serve God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I can be all about his kingdom and what he's trying to accomplish in this world. Or I can serve a different kingdom, namely my own, 
meaning I sort of filter my day timer with me and I, I spend my money on me and I, I orient my plans and dreams for me. Everything is oriented around me. That's serving my kingdom. Now, those two kingdoms don't relate to each other. They, you can't mush those kingdoms together. They are in opposition. And every day, you and I have a choice to serve God or serve self, to serve his kingdom or to serve your own and build your own kingdom. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to, I want you to think back to the last two or three times you were frustrated with your spouse, with your kids, or maybe an extended family member, somebody you're close to. Think back to the last two or three times you were just frustrated with them. Got it? Okay, here's my question for you. Were you frustrated because that person violated the rules and laws of God's kingdom or the rules and laws of your kingdom? When you've gotten frustrated with your kids, for example, is it because they were an inconvenience or an embarrassment to you? Or because they actually violated what's written in Scripture? Most of our frustration, if we're honest, is not because we're not mad at our wife or husband because they violated something that God commanded. We're frustrated because they bothered us. They inconvenienced us. And I think that's the truth. And this highlights how much, whether we want to admit it or not, self is the center of our lives. And I think, too, just, just while I'm talking, and maybe I'm a little off script here a little bit, but I think at the street level, this is why we actually struggle with God. And maybe, maybe you do. I, I don't know. But because at the street level, I think there's still that tension of, I want God to bless what I'm doing. I want to make my plans and do my thing and have my career and get my advancements and and make my plans and all this. And I just sort of want God to just sort of be the co-pilot and go along with it. I want him to to be there. and, 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 And I don't really want what God wants. And God, though, in his love and his grace, never goes along with that. And so what he does is he puts you in a family. You're a sinner and you're in a family with other sinners that that make mistakes and so you bump into each other and things don't go according to your plans all the time or mine. And then he puts you in a very broken world. And that gets frustrating too. And, And the bottom line is he never allows, so to speak, for you and I to find fulfillment or even ultimate success in building our own kingdom. Why? Because he didn't die on a cross so that you could build a great kingdom for yourself. He died on a cross to invite you into a better kingdom, into a better relationship, into a a better place where where you and I, we, we, frankly, here it is, we say no to ourselves and we come to the end of ourselves and we finally say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender to you all of my life. You come first. And then we begin to walk with him in that way. And it doesn't mean this selfishness goes away. We'll battle to the day we stop breathing, but we say, it's not about me. It's not about my dreams or my wants. It's, God, what are you asking me to do? And then to say, 
even if I'm scared to death to say yes, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. Our, make our life a check. We sign it over and we hand it to him. We say, you spend as you want. And that's the difference. See, he wants us to get to a place where we surrender so that we can find victory. He wants us to get to a place where we can say enough about me so that we can start loving him. If we're so full of ourselves, there's no room to, for God to come in and to do a work in our lives. We've got to say no to self. And I absolutely guarantee that as you and I learn to do this, it will impact your marriage. If you're in a marriage relationship, two people that are learning to say no to self, it is a major, major game changer. And that's for all of our relationships. So I just kind of like just jumped a lot of thoughts I've had this last week um, on this topic on you. But I would really encourage you to think through what I'm saying here when it comes to this topic of selfishness. Uh, so, so what I want to challenge this morning as we sort of begin to, to pivot to close is I want to challenge all of us as we think about conflict resolution, if you're married, to, to establish in your relationship some rules of engagement. In other words, how are we going to communicate? And then how are we going to resolve conflict with each other? How are we going uh, uh, to do this? And, and I want to give you just a couple examples because there could be a lot of different rules of engagement. But can I just, I'm just going to offer two, and they're your next fill in the blanks. Um, and this is the kind of thing to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, here's one, for example, to say to your husband or wife and to come together and agree to this idea. I promise to act and not react. I promise to act and not react. I say, well, what does this mean? Well, simply this, uh, to, to act is to choose to do something to react is to respond to what comes at you. There's a big difference. So let me give you an example. To act is to say, I will love my wife. To react is to say, I will love my wife if she loves me. And she's kind to me. Then I'll react and I'll love back. No, no, no. Choose choose to love. Or, or how about this example? Um, acting is to say, I will pray for my family. I'm going to do that. I'm going to commit to that. Every, I'm going to pray for my family. To react is to say, I will pray when something goes really bad. When my life falls apart, when my kid comes and says something, when, when everything seems to just fall apart, well, oh, goodness, I better start. We got to start praying, honey. Like, well, yes, do, please, but also that's reacting. And so as a couple to say, you know what, one of the ways we're going to relate with each other is we're going to choose to act and not just to react to each other. Now this principle is in scripture. Look with me at Romans chapter 12 verse 21. It says this, do not be overcome with evil. That's reaction. Rather, but overcome evil with good. That's action. 
And so choose to, as a couple, identify what are our convictions? How are we going to relate with each other? How are we going to resolve conflict? And to say, look, we're not going to get into um, just reciprocation back and forth. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. you. You say something hurtful to me, it's game on. I'm coming at you. You know what that is? That, that's revenge. Marriages don't make it based on revenge. And so, so to choose to say, look, we're not going to be a couple that just react to each other. But we're going to choose to act and to act out God's principles for our relationship. This is what we are convinced we need to do and convicted, and we have conviction on this. This is what we are going to do. Choose to do the right thing. Don't just live um, uh, where you, you just send back to your spouse. That's not good. So, so that's one example. Let me share with you now a second one, our last one. I promise to talk and not walk. I promise to talk and not walk. What this means is that you and your, your spouse, we say, look, we, we promise that we are going to work it out. We're going to talk it out. We're going to open up. We're going to lock ourselves in a room and just have conversations together. And we're, we're not going to quit. We're going to go see a counselor if we have to. We're going to, we're going to talk to God together in prayer. We're going to, we're going to, we've got this thing we've got to work through. So here's what we're going to do is you go over there and I'm going to go over here. and We're going to spend some time with God. And we're going to pray over this. And then we're going to come back together and we're going to talk it out. But we commit. We don't walk. We don't walk out on the other person. We don't walk away. We don't stonewall. We're going to talk it out. We're not going to walk. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. There's so many verses that talk about this. This one does a great job where it just says here, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Some of you, whether online or here on campus, You've just built some bad habits into your marriage, and you're, you're not talking about things. There's things that need to be said and talked through, but for whatever reason, weeks go by or months go by, and you're not dealing with it. And that's not good. What, what you're doing is, as the verse says here and shows, you're inviting the evil one to have footholds into that relationship. And all he's about is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Nothing good's going to come from that. And so it's time to open up. It's time to start talking and not walking. And maybe as we begin to close this morning, maybe for some of you here this morning or again online, your, your marriage is not in a good place. You're in a place where it's you're just frustrated discouraged, and if your marriage had a, a dashboard indicator like your car, I mean, the lights are blinking, and you know it, but you don't know what to do. You don't know sort of how to, to move forward in there. You're considering throwing in the towel, and if that's you, I, I just want you to hear this this morning. Uh, if this is you, um, I'm convinced of this, that when two people, it has to be two, not one, when two people are willing 
to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, are willing to surrender to him, are willing to get back into scripture, are willing to do things his way to submit their lives and their marriage to Jesus, there is no relationship too far gone that he can't heal, he can't mend. Now please hear me. I'm not saying it always works out. But he can do it. But it has to be two. It has to be the husband and the wife. It can't just be the husband or it can't just be the wife. Both of them have to come together and to say, I'm all in. I'm willing to work on this. See, here's the key. Here, here's what is, is so important. Your next fill in the blank is this. A marriage is always fixed vertically before it's ever fixed horizontally. This is true every time. Meaning, it actually begins here before you start getting into the details here. There's details here, and there's things that have to be worked on for sure, but, but you got to start here. And if this doesn't get right, it's very, very difficult to get this right. Another way to say what that fill-in-the-blank is is that your ability, my ability to be a great husband or a great wife is directly connected to your devotion to a great God who wants to work in your heart and life. Those two are not disconnected. They're absolutely connected. And that's where it comes from. It is, it is fixed vertically before it is fixed horizontally. You see, as you and I begin to uh, grow in our relationship with Jesus, we get time in the word and we, and we pray and, we, and we, try to, we walk with him in obedience. Not perfection, we're works in progress. But as, we, as we do this day in and day out and we don't, uh, we don't react, we, we act. Men, we lead. We're pace setters in our home. That kind of a thing. As we commit to that and we do that kind of a thing, what begins to happen is that God begins to work in our lives and all of a sudden, he will give you the ability to love more than any ability you have inside yourself. See, the ability that, that you need to love like Jesus, you don't have it just in your own strength. Rather, we need him to work through us. We need his love working through us. As you grow in your relationship with Christ, he will help you grow in wisdom to know what to do. As you grow in your relationship with Christ, he will help you um, to be more, more patient we need patience with each other, to be more, more kind, to be more faithful. And, and as you grow in your relationship with Christ, something else important happens. As you grow with him, you learn more and more how to be able to say two important words that are needed in a marriage relationship or any relationship for that matter. And those two words are, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You learn to be more confessional. You learn, you learn that you have sins that need to be confessed to God and to each other. And that's a very important step. Can, can I just share with you an example? And we're gonna, I promise we're closing here in just a moment. But look at this, this verse here, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul's writing, and he's talking about himself, really. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that is their full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Yes. And then he says this, of whom I'm the worst. 
Now, if you're thinking like, well, Paul wrote like half the New Testament. This is like super missionary Paul. This is, you know, I mean, the, the list goes on of all these wonderful things about Paul. Why in the world does he say here, this is also, by the way, near the end of his life, that he was the worst of sinners? And the answer is, well, first, his answer is that is this is not false humility. Like, like he's not saying like, like, you know, like trying to get attention. You know how we do this. We sort of try to get attention by being you know, humble, but we're not really being humble. We actually want to draw attention. That's not what he's doing here. What he's doing, he's highlighting a principle. And the principle is this, is that the more you walk with Jesus, the more you understand the depth of the sin and selfishness and brokenness inside every single one of us. The more you live in the light, the more it exposes what we tend to hide in the dark. The the more you walk with Jesus, the more you begin to see all the ways that you walk in an opposite direction with him, all the ways you violate his commands, all the ways that you not even on purpose, hurt the people you love. I mean, all these things that the Lord wants to do to transform you and to work in your heart and life, it's all there. And the more you walk with Jesus, the more you begin to see this. The more you walk with Jesus, the more you begin to understand how amazing grace really is. That's the truth of the matter. It's when we're not walking with Jesus, it's easy to ignore all that. It's when we're not walking with Jesus, it's easy to say, I'm a good person. I pay my taxes. I stop at yellow lights, or I slow down at least. Uh, I recycle. Like, I'm pretty good. But that's not the point. What Jesus wants to do is to take us differently, because here's what we know. You and I cannot live a single day of our lives especially in proximity with family, a husband and wife, children, other people you know and love, you cannot live a single day where you and I don't have thoughtlessness, selfishness, anger, bitterness, um, boasting. Uh, I mean, the the list goes on. Arrogance, um, self-righteousness, disloyalty, fill in the blank, that it doesn't rear its ugly head and impact someone else. If you get nothing else from this message this morning, can I just encourage you with this? Practice saying I'm sorry. Practice being confessional. It's not weakness. It's not. It's health. And it starts with the Lord. You see, Christ died and, 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 and he saves and he offers forgiveness and, and that free gift is available to be born again, to be in relationship with him and to walk with him. And so we don't say we're sorry to God because we're trying to like re-up or re-earn our salvation. Positionally, that's settled. You are a child of God. You are his. You are adopted into his family. All that is set and settled. But relationship still is there. And relationship gets messed up. And just like, I mean, your relationship with God is just like any other relationship. I love my children. Nothing will ever change that my children are my children, but sometimes our relationship gets, you know, we've got to work some things out. It doesn't change positionally who they are, but we've got to practice some I'm sorry's to each other. 
And it's the same with God. And so we, we need to practice confession with him. And that's a healthy thing to do. And then we need to also practice it with one another. And I would say husband and wife is at the top of the list of where you come together often and you say, I'm very sorry for this. Will you please forgive me? And that, you know what that does? That actually knits you together. It's a healthy thing to do. And so I want to invite the worship team to come up, please. And, and, um, and I want to just give some challenges uh, to you this morning. If you are, if you are married, um, or frankly, any other close relationship, you comply. I'm going to ask you some questions, and these are some challenges. Um, think about your relationship. First, is there, is there anything that needs to be said? Is there anything that needs to be resolved? I would challenge you to identify what that is and begin to have those conversations. Talk. Don't, don't walk. It, it, nothing gets resolved by thinking it just magically disappears. You, you've got to engage. You've got to talk about it. Are there any expectations that you have that you need to speak and to talk out? And then finally, is there, any, is there any area of selfishness that is time to come forward and, and to recognize it and to say I'm sorry and to work that out? I'm just convinced this is all of us and every marriage has something. And I think as you have these types of conversations, what this is going to do is build health into your relationship and it's going to begin to knit you together closer and so that you can begin to honor God in walking with him as you know, principles laid out in his word. And so we're going to pray right now. We're going to respond in worship as well. But I'm going to give you a moment, just you and God. We do this often. Just some silent time for you to talk to him. If there's anything you need to begin to confess before God. Um, do that now. And if you, if you hear this this morning, you're like, I'm not really sure if there is. Then I would challenge you with this. Come before God and ask him, is there anything I need to confess? And God is faithful. He will lovingly and gently begin to reveal things. And then you begin to respond to that. And he'll begin to bring healing into your life. Let's go ahead and pray now. I invite you just to enjoy time with him. Father, every single one of us in some ways and at some points in our life, even, even this past week and even today, we make efforts to build our own kingdom and to put me first. But I ask through your Spirit's enabling that you would help us to learn how to love you and how to, to be kingdom-minded and to say no to self so that we can say yes to you. To say no to self and so that we can love our, our husband and wife or wife better. Our children, our extended family and friends. And Father, we come and we confess to you all the ways we fill our lives with ourselves. And so there's no room for you. 
I pray that you would give each person here, both online watching, but also in the room, the courage to really take this stuff head on. The courage to respond, the courage to say no more and to repent. The courage to begin to practice saying, I'm sorry. And then to begin to make changes. And so, Father, we we ask that you would do this. Help us to to mature and to grow and to be individuals and families and marriages and ultimately a, a local church that hungers after you, that has healthy marriages. Father, we long for this. We ask that you would do this work in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Everyone said, amen. Please stand and join us as we close. Um, we're going to close with the song, God of Revival. And I want to take just a moment. This is a, it's a really wonderful song, but it's almost maybe a little bit of a dangerous song. And here's what I mean. It's, it's got a strong melody. You'll, you'll have a good bass beat. It's real easy to sing the song in truth, but not in spirit. To not believe the words that you're singing. To not, uh, in your heart, desire what you're declaring. So I want to challenge you this morning and ask you to, to give your hearts up as we sing this song to, as John 4.24 says, to worship our God in spirit and in truth and truly believe that our God is a God of revival, particularly in our relationships and our marriages. Um, and he wants good things for us. So let's, let's worship him in spirit and in truth as we sing God of revival. <laughs>